0: Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this community. Thank you for this space. Thank you for the beautiful mountains that surround us. Thank you for this city. Jesus, thank you for coming and dying on the cross for our sins, for giving us an opportunity to walk into the throne room of God, and speak our longings and our desires without any worry of retribution. Thank you for giving us the gift of relationship. But Jesus, we want to confess tonight that um, even though that gift is there, we so often um, are just in a place of struggle. We um, our brains are not always the way we want them to be. Our hearts aren't in the right place all the time. It's hard to get our to even know if we believe sometimes, um, but we're here. And being here is evidence that that we want to be close to you. We want to walk with you. We want to figure this all out. We want to know what it means to follow you. Um, so we, we acknowledge that and ask that you would, would be with us. And Holy Spirit, as we um, wrestle with um, truth tonight, as we wrestle with the words of Jesus, we ask that you would give us the courage to believe what's true and to push out what's not and to not hold against each other like how it's said or why it's said but just to really listen for your the voice of god um, give us that courage and we ask all of that in your name jesus amen um discipleship or to be a disciple of jesus is to get up let me say that again to be a disciple of Jesus is to get up. Good, good job, Julie. Get up. You should all leave right now. All get up. Um, I mean, I think all of you have at least seen one Rocky movie, but all of them are the same. And in every single Rocky movie, Rocky Balboa has been knocked down and he's on the mat, or he's almost on the mat, and he has the slow-mo where all the important things of his life flash by. And he has this decision on the mat. Do I get up or do I give up? Right? And what's important to me and what am I fighting for? To be a disciple is to get up. Now, if you've been around the village for a while, you know that I like The Matrix. So I couldn't not say being a disciple is getting up without showing this clip. So it's only 20 seconds of The Matrix, but hopefully you can hear it. up. It's to get up. It's to get up. Here she is. She's, she's harried by the agents. She's running away from them. And she's, there's that moment where she's on her back with her guns in her cool leather thinking, get up, get up. We're in a series in the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to be in this series until the end of the year. Now, we couldn't go all the way through, um, verse by verse, in the next 13 weeks, so we're just picking some different pictures out of Jesus' life, some events in Jesus' life, um, that kind of help us understand who he is and what he's doing. And so, tonight, we're going to start off in Mark chapter 2 starting with verse 13. If you don't know what Mark is, it's in the New Testament. It goes Matthew, Mark. It's a gospel, and a gospel means victories or good news. And so it's a story about Jesus, the good news about Jesus, the good, his victories over different things. Um, and it's kind of Mark's perspective on all of that. So we're going to read about a guy named Levi, so it starts in verse 13. If you want to find it in your Bible, it's page 991. Verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. If One of the things you're going to quickly learn is if you're going to church and you're in this process of following Jesus and you're trying to figure that out, you're going to find out that there's this cycle within Christianity. And that cycle is learning, teaching, learning, teaching, learning, teaching. And in fact, in the Middle Eastern world, the way it would work is that whole front end that I just did. And I said, being a disciple is getting up. And then I told the story about Rocky. We would all stop You could break up into groups and you would practice telling that story perfectly the way I told it so that you could pass it on. But you wouldn't say, Eric said this. You would be, discipleship is getting up. It would be yours. And that is part of how Christianity works is it's teaching, learning, teaching, learning. And you own it and you give it away. And so Jesus is walking along the lake and he is teaching the people and they're following him along. It says, as he was walking along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, Levi, uh, we know it from the Gospel of Matthew that his name is Matthew. And when I was looking at it, I was like, wow, Levi, son of Alphaeus. I, I remember that there is one of Jesus' disciples named James, son of Alphaeus. Like, huh, I wonder if they're brothers. So I started researching this, and I found a few, you know, smart, intelligent seminary students who'd written some obscure papers about how that's maybe possible. So we're going to assume it is. Um, that the two of them are brothers. Now, it says that Levi is sitting at a tax collector's booth. Now, if you've been at church for a while, then you know tax collectors are bad. But if you haven't been at church for a while... You're like, well, I don't like the IRS, but they're not bad people. Like, I don't think, oh, you work for the IRS. I'm so sorry I can't have lunch with you. Like, I might ask you a lot of questions about why you enforce certain laws. But they're not bad people. But in the first century, if you're a tax collector, you're a bad dude. See, you started out rich, and then you bought a contract from the Roman government to tax your own people, and so the equivalent of basically what you are is a mafia boss, right? You're, you're the mafia, all right? And, and it was, the Jews hated these tax collectors because they were their own people and they were in bed with the Romans. And what would happen is the Romans would say, okay, in this segment here, this is how much money we want from this part of the land. And then everything else you earn is yours. So they would extort people. So if Levi is sitting in the booth, there he's probably a mid-level mafia guy because the head mafia guy lives way up on a hill and he doesn't want to be around any anybody okay because the jews had all these rules about tax collectors one if you were in if you were a tax collector then your whole family had to be tax collectors because nobody was going to have anything to do with you you couldn't go to temple you couldn't be a judge you couldn't witness you could like be a witness in a trial if you touched somebody's house, it was unclean, and they had to do all this ritual stuff to get it clean. If they touched you, it was horrible, and you had to go through all these rituals. So that they're bad dudes, right? But we have Jesus walking by Levi. Now, let's just assume that James is his brother, and that Jesus and James have been hanging out a little bit. Maybe Levi's had a, a few conversations with Jesus, but most likely in the movie here, Jesus is walking by, there's a crowd behind him, and they lock eyes, and then we have the slow-mo, where all the conversations between Jesus and, and, and Levi have gone on, and, and all the discontent that Levi has with his job, and it's all there, and then there's also like the way he's extorted Jesus, and Jesus kind of gives him the look where you think he's like, yeah, try to tax me, and so it's like you have this scene happening, right? He walks by. And Levi is sitting there looking at him. And I suspect that there are these thugs next to Levi because they're the people who enforce things. He's probably got 10 or 15 of them. And this is what Jesus says to him. He says, follow me. Now, I grew up in the church, which is a great privilege to grow up in the church. But what happens when you grow up in the church is that though the Bible is really big, it only has a certain amount of stories that are fun to tell kids. And so when you read through the Gospels, like it seems like Jesus is always saying, follow me. And so as a kid, I was like, what is this, like Jesus' conga line? Like I imagine like that, like here's Jesus trampling around, you know, the middle east with a little line of disciples like hey come join the special line like you can be you know one of 12 behind me because I, it didn't make any sense and it's not like people explained it to me like what i mean we don't go around i don't go around saying follow me unless i'm telling a little kid hey we're going here we need to get in the car and go home right follow me you know that's that's about it um but this word follow is where we get the word acolyte right or servant or assistant, okay? So when Jesus says to Levi, follow me, he's not saying, hey, let's go out for coffee. He's saying, you need to change your job. I have an opening, right? You need to change your vocation, right? Now, if I say in here, you know, the word mom, some of you are like, oh yeah, that's me. Like if I were to say something like, you know, engineers, they're kind of uptight. Some of you would be like, oh, wait a minute, I'm an engineer, right? Like you have, uh, you have an identity there. We all have these identities that define us in the way that we define ourselves. But in the first century, what you did was who you are, right? So for, for Levi... Being a tax collector is what he has. That's what he is. Being a mean dude, extorting people, he's lived into it. He's grabbed hold of it. And Jesus walks by and says, follow me. Come be my acolyte. Come be my servant. Come be about what I'm about. Okay? So he says, follow me. Now, it says something really interesting here. It says that Jesus told him, and then Levi got up and followed him. Levi got up. And I thought, well, that's really interesting, because right before this, Jesus heals this paralytic guy, and it says, this is what Jesus told him, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And he got up, right? And I thought... Well, this is an interesting word. Nobody's ever told me about this get-up. Nobody said that being a disciple has anything to be about getting up. So I started looking into this word and looking at all the verses that have this word get-up in it. And there's an interesting story in the Gospel of John where there's this guy named Lazarus. And Lazarus is a good friend of Jesus's and he dies. But Jesus doesn't happen to be at the town at the time when he passes away. So this guy is four days dead before jesus even gets close to the town and so his sisters Lazarus' sisters show up and meet jesus as he's coming into town and they're like hey like if you were here on time he wouldn't have died and jesus literally says well he hasn't gotten up but he's gonna get up like literally he doesn't say he's going to arise from the dead but Martha the older sister is like oh yeah i know he's going to get up in the end when the resurrection happens and jesus is like no he hasn't gotten up like he's dead he's laying down and i'm going to get him up right well this idea is is that the you go from one state to another state a lot of times this word is used when somebody is the janitor and they rise to be the ceo right? They got up. They, they, they did it quickly. They moved from one, uh, this, this dramatic change in state, right? So it says that Levi got up and he followed Jesus, okay? He got up and he followed Jesus. So what it says is that he decided to change jobs. He decided to change jobs. And so The first part of being a disciple of Jesus is to get up and grab hold of your identity. To get up and grab hold of your identity. Let Let me give you an example of what this means. So here you are, your mom or dad, and you go to Albertsons. And right in the middle of Albertsons, your little ball of joy decides that they're not a ball of joy. And they begin to scream and scream, and they're unconsolable. Now, in your previous job as mom or dad, you think this child is a bad reflection on me. All these people are looking at me. What am I gonna what can I possibly do to make this child stop? Right? What you are thinking about It's how you're going to fix things for you. But if you have gotten into the place where you have gotten up and you're following Jesus, you realize something. That God is this child's father and mother and you are simply on loan to the child, right? And you're on loan in order to help this child grow closer to Jesus. And so the question then becomes, if you have gotten up and grabbed hold of your identity, it's not am I a good mom or not am I a good mom or dad and what people think of me, but what is it that Jesus is doing in this child's life right now and what is Jesus doing in my life and what the heck am I going to do in response to that? Right? How am I going to respond to what Jesus is doing? might mean I have to sit there and be like, well, this is embarrassing. We're just going to sit here until you stop crying because my identity is not found in if you stop crying or not, right? It changes the question you're asking because you begin to ask, what is Jesus doing in this person's life? What is Jesus doing in that person's life? What is, what is Jesus doing? Because if you are Jesus's acolyte, Jesus's assistant, you are to be about what he is doing, right? And here's the cool thing about this is that when Levi is sitting in the, in the tax booth, Levi is passive. He's sitting there, right? It's a passive identity. When he gets up to follow Jesus, it's an active identity. It's a changing identity. It's actually an identity of adventure to be the follower of Jesus. So to be a disciple is to get up and to take hold of your identity. A little while later, verse 15, it says, While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked the disciples, Why does he eat with the tax collectors and sinners? Okay. So going back to being a kid, I was baffled by these Pharisees. Like, I'm like, how do they get to show up to all the parties? And why are they always in Jesus's house and in Jesus's disciples house? Like, what is up with these Pharisees? Like, it's a bad joke, right? Well, here's what happens. If you didn't know this, the Pharisees are the very, very religious people who have lots of rules and the ways that they should do things. These are not those guys. They're not the head honchos. They're the certification board. And they get assigned to rabbis. And they follow the rabbi around. And they watch everything that the rabbi does. And they write it down. So they're following Jesus around. And what they're trying to figure out is, can we certify Jesus as a legitimate rabbi? Is he certifiable? You know, <laughs> which is what they figure out. He is. He's a little crazy. So this, and, and Jesus and most rabbis accept this. This is what, the, so they get to be part of things and they have special dispensations so because they can go hang out with the sinners and with the tax collectors and not be unclean because they're making sure that the rabbi is doing what he's supposed to do, right? So here's what these, so these Pharisees ask, how is it that Jesus can eat with tax collectors? So we know they're bad mafia dudes and sinners. So we know what sin is, right? Sin is just missing the mark. It means it's an archery term, right? You've probably heard me say this before. It just simply means you fired at the target and you completely missed, right? That's where we all are. But, uh, but a sinner is somebody who's caught up in that loop of missing the mark and they've chosen that to be their identity, okay? They found that there's no way out of the darkness and so they've grabbed hold of the darkness and that's who they are. And they found a community and they found some tax collectors to hang out with, right? So here is Jesus hanging out with these sinners and these tax collectors. Now, this is the cool thing about being a disciple because it's not just getting up and grabbing hold of your identity. It's getting up and inviting others to get up with you. So Levi, it wasn't just a job offer to Levi to follow Jesus. He's now saying, hey guys, in in the Gospel of Matthew it tells us in this story that it's a big party, and probably at the party he's like, hey guys, I'm out of the biz, and you guys can all have a job with me. We're all going to go follow Jesus. right?'" And that's really what tonight is all about. Every Sunday evening we come together and the invitation is get up, right? Get up, get up and follow Jesus because it's so easy to find ourselves back in the tax booth. So easy to be there. That's why we need community. That's why we need the different elements of it is because we need to be reminded to get up. We need to see other people getting up and following Jesus and grabbing hold of their identity. On hearing this, question, Jesus said to them, is it not the healthy? It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come not, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. So Jesus says, look, I'm not here for the people already think they have it together. I'm here for the people who know they're stuck in the tax booth, right? I'm here for the people who keep finding themselves when when the screaming child is there desperately trying to make the child stop screaming because they don't want anyone to think that they're a bad mom i'm for that person for the person who's desperately flailing around trying to figure it out that's what i'm here for not for the people who say they know what they're doing right there's this healing available saying that he that that it's not that the sinner is not stuck in the loop The reason, so the job offer, so when Jesus walks by Levi and says, follow me, come be about what I am about, he's saying, I'm going to give you some healing. I'm going to pull you out of the loop and I'm going to put you into my loop. And really the whole business of being a follower of Jesus is really just all about not being about your business, but being about Jesus' business, right? Getting up. Now, I know that I know this, this is really simple, but what I want you to hold on to tonight, when in wherever you are, maybe you're like me, and you're caught up in some strange health issues that you can't figure out, right? Or maybe you are like caught in your addiction, and you're just like, I don't know if I can get out of this whatever situation you find yourself in where you have kind of become consumed with you and your identity and what is going on with you, the duck, good job, the invitation from Jesus is get up. Because when he says follow me, literally the translation is be about following what I'm doing. Be about me. That's really all he's saying. So when he says, get up, or when he says, follow me, he's just saying, be about me. Come be about me. And when you and I are about Jesus, things change very quickly. Our understanding of our trials and the things that we're wrestling with change. So being a disciple, which if you don't know what that means, it means that you believe that Jesus died for your sins and that he rose from the dead and he's coming back to make things new and that you're a sinner and you need him. If you can embrace that, then you're a follower of Jesus. That means get up, grab hold of your identity, and get up and start inviting the people around you to get up. Now with all that said, I knew that it was going to be short tonight. I want to talk about it, so. Do you have questions? you want me to expand things? Do you have some ideas that you'd like to add to it? I'm going to need a mic. Oh, wow, look at that. <laughs> I have a mic. Anybody want to comment? Anybody? We need a mic manager. Sounds like a mic. Does anybody have a comment? Anybody think they want to say? Question? Thought? You don't have... Oh.
1: I think too, like
0: the thing about following Jesus. I like your example of the child in the store because sometimes, like the call, the the funny thing in those situations is that what you do can be different.
2: So you, God, what Jesus is doing is maybe
0: saying you need to sit with the child while they cry, or Jesus may be doing, we need to discipline this child and like remove them from the situation and work through things. And it's like the I think I think a lot of times when we think about like following Jesus, there's like this these specific things that we have to do rather than actually considering what is it that Jesus what is Jesus doing? Not what do I need to do in order to be in the right as I follow Jesus? Right. In the back.
2: Um, I grew up waiting for a very specific, amazing calling where I was going to go save the world. And I think um, in the absence of that, I think the vacuum is demoralizing. And it's kind of been like, okay, I'll just kind of figure this out. And it's all been about, it's like kind of imploded back into being about me and how to make it through and what I want. Um... And so this idea that I'm absolutely called, it's not like I'm called very specifically to this one ministry that's going to make my whole life all of a sudden justified, but it's like I'm called into this whole community, into this whole thing that Jesus is doing, makes me feel like I can, gives me the courage to let go of all those things that were all about me again, and, and be about something bigger and more important, and that's really inspiring to me
0: cool that's awesome Ruben, over there welcome back Reuben
2: it's great to be here so I think that uh, <coughs> when you get up and follow Jesus people think that that's going to change their state and that it's going to be a glorious thing and that reflects in their outward circumstances but when you get up to follow Jesus, you also give up something, you know, spiritually yes. and knowing how to get up and follow Jesus very much involves knowing what it is you're leaving behind, you know, because if you're going to change spiritually, something about you has to essentially die. You've got to lay something down to do it.
0: Yes. Over there. If you have the mic, you'll have to be the mic walker.
1: Um, I was thinking about this and, you know, thinking about the you know, to follow Jesus we have to, you know, pick up our cross and follow him. Um and that, that's a really that's a burden. You know, it's a it's a big sacrifice and that, you know, I've been contemplating my walk thus far with Christ and it's just this continual um dying to myself. Um, that it's not just like, even just a one-time thing. It's like a, you know, oh, it feels almost like a cycle sometimes. you like, okay, I'm going to do it this time. And then, you know, life happens. And then you find yourself in the middle of the grocery store, like about to lose your mind. And, um, yeah, just this continual dying to yourself um, and getting up and following him. And picking, uh, leaving the pieces behind, really. You know, uh, not trying to pick up the pieces, not trying to fix them. Uh, but uh really, just um, dying to your own your own needs and wants
0: oh, thanks, Ashley. Anybody else right we'll go Mike, Ron, and Emily and then i don't know if there's um,
3: What if you can 't get up anymore? Like, I, when I read the Bible, I see that God has certain promises that he's going to give his children you know, to be able to move mountains in their life and to be able to give them peace. And if you keep getting up, And you never feel that peace. And the mountains in your life continue to get larger.
0: What do you do? Well, I I would say there's a couple things. Um, One, I would think about Levi himself, who got up and had no idea what was going to happen. He didn't know that the person he was following was going to die on a cross. and he I mean, Levi abandoned him, um, didn't know that he would probably die as a martyr, and things weren't going to work out for him. He he got up, and he followed. um, Because there was something that this man offered. Um, The other thing, though, is that God gives us a church to lift us up, to pick us up, to help us get up. Like, It's not a thing that you do on your own, and it's a repeated process. You can't get up on your own. We do it together. Um, We walk together in those things. We help each other up. The other thing is, I think, a lot of times we say, I don't have any peace, but that's not true. We're just trying to define peace by the world's view and not by the view of the God of the universe. This is peace. If you're sitting here right now, you have peace. You're amongst the people of God, and the Holy Spirit is present and powerful. A lot of times we rate things on how we feel in the moment. But I have a lot of acid reflux right now, so I don't have any peace, right? Um, That affects the way I think. So. That would be what I would have to say. Um, we're running out of time, but Ron, if you can be really short. <laughs> but the mic is coming. Mike is bringing the mic. Mike is bringing the mic. Thanks, Mike.
3: Thank you, Mike. And thank you, Mike. Um, is it on? Okay. I've been thinking about this a long time and first off i don't think that god is asking me to do to be a world team evangelist or anything like that he's more wanting me to be a ant that goes out and does things that usually aren't known by anyone else and known by himself and just I get blown by the wind and crushed by the rocks, and God pick, picks me up and dusts me off and says, "Go do do it again." And I get hit by rocks and the wind, and go. God heals me and do it again. And it's just the God wants me to just do it and not worry about what I'm doing, but just do whatever I can and not be famous and not be rich or just be a fat old bald man. (laughs) (laughs) That's quite a calling.
0: (laughs) I'm good at it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Emily, you're going to be the last one tonight.
2: As soon as you said, make it your life about Jesus, I thought Oh, my addiction, hungry all the time, thinking how am I ever going to stop eating? And I thought, what if I What if I ate for Jesus? What if every bite was for him? What if this was his body and I was trying to take good care of it? Kind of touched tasted God right there.
0: Cool. Now, I know that when you use a little slogan like Nike, just do it. Um, no, that, um, that you can easily forget that God has grace and that the healing is that there's this continual invitation that you're invited into a relationship. And when you end up back in the tax booth in that passive identity, there's not condemnation and judgment. There's Jesus walking by saying, Hey, come follow me. Come be about what I am. Not why are you back there? My goodness. He's like, come, follow me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this community, for their wisdom, for their insight into you, um, and their grace for one another. I just ask that as we um, sing, and as we eat together, um, and as we take communion, that you would um, be amongst us as we know you are. And we ask that in your holy name, Jesus. Amen.